A very good evening to you and welcome to this edition of Gospel for You. Our theme today is God's best. God's best may be expressed by John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. And it depends which version you read as to what words are used. But essentially, it is only through Christ Jesus, Son of God, who is Lord and Saviour, when we accept what Christ Jesus did on the cross and that he rose again from the dead and that he did this because of God's love for each one of us and recognising that we ourselves are not able to do anything but God through his son Jesus, sent his son to do what we cannot do. When we recognise this and we confess this with our hearts, with our mouths, then we can have a rich relationship with God. At the top of the hour on Gospel for Grampian Radio, which produces this programme, we have a project called Your Gospel. And in all of these programmes, we have at least one and usually three, your Gospels, which is John chapter 3, six, verse 16 in different languages. And today we'll be hearing it in Gaelic, German and Faroese. As we explore God's best, we have some scriptures as well, more scriptures that we'll be looking at. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And if you look in some scriptures, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul, all your might and all your strength. But essentially, it means putting God first. But there's another commandment that is important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And put in a different way from John chapter 3 verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And these are the three scriptures that we're going to be taking forward as we explore today God's best. It's not just what God can do for us. We should remember how he has endowed us with our bodies which are fearfully and wonderfully made. Think what each of our bodies is capable of. How amazing that we have a blood system flowing around our bodies how amazing that we have nerves that are able to communicate information in a very, very quick way indeed. That even disabled people are able to get over their disability and do much more than they can ever think or realise. How we're able to see, how we're able to speak, how we're able to love. Yes, even love. God's best for us goes far beyond whatever we can think of or imagine. If we really trusted God in our lives, think what we would be capable of. And I'm here to tell you that it's not just what God can do for us, but it's how we respond to God. Not only by realising all these things, but by thanking God, loving the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and loving others, loving our brothers and sisters, loving our neighbour as ourselves. 
words to think about as we go into the rest of this program where we'll hear a testimony from Bishop Dowdy and we'll also hear from a sermon called United in Faith by David Young from Aberdeen Christian Fellowship and we finish off the program with an opportunity to pray to put all this into context and to respond in prayer to what you've heard. Yes, there'll be an invitation for you, the listener, to accept Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Here's your gospel in Gaelic. God is in powers. My name is Bishop Daudi. Bishop is a title of work, but my name is Daudi Jacob Nyamita. I'm a citizen of Tanzania. I live in Msoma town. God called me when I was still young at my education level. And I thank God because I work with, uh, with the calling for more than 40 years. But God put me in a level. My calling was preach the gospel in different parts of our nation. But I thank God because God empowered me to reach different parts of East Africa, countries. I reach Kenya, I reach Uganda, I reach Burundi, and uh, we are still uh, praying for other areas. Also, I reach South Africa. Now I have a plan to reach Liberia. This is African country, but my calling is reaching all over the world. I thank God for this. Um, uh, my short testimony is how God called me and what God do for my calling. God called me as a poor f- person from poor family. When I received the, uh, the message, the gospel, I did not have anything. But what I know is my calling, which touched my heart all the time. God showed me to send the gospel in different parts of our area. But the results was coming. Many people are giving their life to Jesus. We open uh, churches. We see God as doing wonderful. People who are sick was healed and a lot of things. But uh, also for working for so long, God started to connect me with international people. I thank God because I see God have a, a plan for me through our brother from UK. My first missionary to visit our church, which, where we start the vision, was coming from UK. The second one was coming from UK. And the vision which I received from UK 
to empower and uh, fight poverty from our brother Rob, uh, from with Jane, from Lokei. I thank God uh, in 20, 2007, when God connected me with missionary Rob and, and Jane through the vision of 5,000 plus. This vision empowered me when I was very poor person. But when I hear the message, that message changed my mind and give me to have something which I did not have. And for now, through that vision, empower me and empower my calling, which was sending the gospel. Because the gospel is have a cost. The gospel take money. The gospel take time. Because you cannot go. There's a, a place you can go uh, with your food. But when we start, we was working by foot, no bicycle, no motorcycle, no anything. But we was love Jesus. We was working from uh, more than 12 hours. And some area we are going more than 14 hours. But we still love God. Uh, I thank God for this uh, wonderful time. Let me say... A God passing far. When God call you, you will go far. There's a lot of things you can pass through it. But God, when you will trust God, you will saw different things which God are doing. The Bible say, faith is coming by here and hearing the word of God. That's the Hebrew. Hebrew. Uh, 11 verse 1. So, brothers and sisters, myself, I thank God because I saw God in different way. How God connected me with wonderful people for my life. When my friends from UK uh, stopped their vision, but the vision still in my heart. I am working with it. And I think I saw God connect me with my friend Rob and Helen uh, through what God put in their heart, uh, through preaching the gospel, through radio. This was something important to me. And it was a thing which I was already starting in Tanzania. And maybe we do not have much support, but we trust God who call us that he will do this. I have working with this vision and I saw through my radio program, many people are giving their life. I pray for those needs people and God do wonderful things, miracles to them. I pray for the sick people and God touch them. So I believe that God have something special for my life to do in not in Tanzania, but in worldwide. I will ask you, now I have 60 years. I have 10, eight children and 10 grandchildren. I saw a lot, but I believe through this connection, which God is doing, 
The main purpose is that let us unite together for giving the vision of preaching the gospel to reach all corners of the world are come to pass. That's the main point which I will ask you, brothers and sisters. You have a chance. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, go in all the world. Make people be my disciple. This is the order of all of us, not pastors, not only evangelism, but all believers have to do this. That's my request to you. Please, through this, let us unite as a, a family of Christ. Let us go. Let us each one support each one to do something for the glory of God. God bless you all people. We are welcome you to unite together with our family for um, support the gospel, for show people to know the love of God, for show uh, uh, widows to know the love of God. I thank God for this time, and I believe that the one who God put you to listen this, my testimony, let the message of God do something renew in your mind. And let your heart receive something compassion, which will make you to do something for the time which God still give you in this world. It is a, no, a, a small time. It have a limit, brother. Maybe you are enjoy the life, but life it have a, 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 a end. There's a time you will not enjoy. So I thank God who give you a chance to connect with us and make something special as we do in Tanzania. I tell you that when God called me, we do not have anything. We are working by food. We work over 14 hours a day, but we still trust God. We still love God. Maybe God needs us to do. There's a time. You cannot work by foot. You cannot work by foot up to uh, use a uh, money. You must use a lot of things. So it is a time for God to join us and to empower us. Everyone, let us unite. Welcome Tanzania. Welcome Africa. Welcome all part. We can make there's something good to reach millions of people in this wonderful time, which we, it remain before our Christ, Jesus Christ, come back again. God bless you a lot. Let me say, I am hoping that this message, let do something in your behind. Myself, I remind you, my name is Daudi Jacob Nyamita. I have eight children and ten grandchildren. But I lead souls winning in Tanzania, East Africa, and Africa. I am praying to lead Liberia not far in this April to T 
teach this message. So welcome join us by grace of God. God bless you. Amen. Denn so hat Gott die Welt geliebt, dass er seinen eingeborenen Sohn gab, damit jeder, der an ihn glaubt, nicht verloren geht, sondern ewiges Leben hat. Your Gospel, John 3.16 in Germany, a testimony from Bishop Dowdy of Tanzania, who has a real passion to be able to reach not only the 60 million people in Tanzania, but also to be able to reach people throughout Africa and in own languages and demonstrate the gospel just as we do. And it's refreshing to actually have a heart and someone who actually shares that vision. You know when people do share your vision and it's great to actually have that heart with this good person. So we have your gospel, John 3.16 in Gaelic. In just a little bit, we are going to be hearing from David Young about being united in faith. And in this particular program, we are celebrating God's best. And celebrating God's best means that we will actually be reading out once again for you John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another, tying in very nicely with Jesus' command that we love our neighbour as ourselves. It's a two-way thing. God does things for us, but we need to demonstrate that love for him. God first that loved us so that we could love him and in loving each other. And we can make that love perfect, demonstrating Christ's love wherever we go. I've got a long way to go with that, listeners, but we're getting there. And it's God who gives me the strength to be able to, and the knowledge and everything else to be able to do these programs. We're going to be hearing United in Faith and finishing off the program, not only with an opportunity to accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, but listen to the wonderful sound and song from Voices of Pharaoh, more about Jesus. We've also got your gospel in Ferraris all to come. Here's David Young now, united in faith. Yeah, good morning. Uh, it's lovely to uh, be here and be sharing with you this morning. We're continuing our series in First Thessalonians. And I put this picture up on the slide early um, because I think in, in many ways this Thessalonian church are a model church, a church that are worth imitating. I think there's lots in this letter that we've already unpacked and as we'll continue to unpack that they were getting right. And I think we'll see more of that as we go through today's passage. And as we begin, I want to uh, share a quote from a singer. You may have heard of him. His name is Jarvis Cocker. And he once said, I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do which may seem like a strange way to, be, to begin, but actually I think there's something in that sentiment that Paul would agree with. Now, the rest of the song, he probably wouldn't agree with. But something about being common people, I think he would. Because I think that's Paul's picture of the church, a common 
people, a people that are enjoined to one another, a people who think corporately, not individualistically, a people who are doing life together. And so today, as we look at this passage, I want to ask, what does a church living as common people look like? And then I want to steal Derek's question from a couple of weeks ago when he said, how are we doing? Derek was speaking about evangelism and saying, how are we doing? When it comes to living as common people, how are we doing? That's what I want to think about today. So we're going to look in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, the, the scripture will be up on the screen, but if you want to follow along on your phone or your Bible, you can do. Um, I'll be reading from the New International Version. So this is 1 Thessalonians. We're picking up in chapter 2, reading from verse 17. Paul writes, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Amen. So, what does it look like for a church to live as common people? I think in this passage, in Paul's communication to this church in Thessalonica, I think there are three hallmarks, three characteristics that mark what it means to live as a common people. It means community, it means compassion, and it means 
companionship. And I want to look at each one of these in turn this morning. So the first of those is community. The first hallmark of living as a common people is to be a community. And you are forgiven if you're sat there going, well, yeah, obviously. Because it does seem obvious, common people, community, sure. But I want to dig a little bit deeper into what this word community really means. I want to look at the etymology. Where does this word actually come from? And it's really two words, two ideas kind of pushed together. The com always means common, so something we have in common. And it's unity, a common unity. And to help us think about this community, this idea, this hallmark, uh, I wanted to start by thinking about one of my favorite things, which is football. I thought Matthew would enjoy that. Matthew's the one on the right, if you're not, not sure. <laughs> because I think football is a great example of where we see community happening because fans share a common unity around a team and this Christmas I got a Christmas present it was from me to me (laughs) this was my Christmas present so this is the team that I like to support Manchester United I decided that I was going to get myself a Manchester United shirt and it's good because in many ways it's a really visual picture of community, isn't it? Because immediately it unites me with some people in the room, with Paul, perhaps, with Len hiding at the back. I don't know if Roddy's here this morning, he might be watching at home, but other fans of that same team. Immediately there's a community by having this shirt here. But equally, it means that it distances me from other people. Phil Smith's giving me the daggers right now. Liverpool fan in the house, or someone like an Adrian Watson, an Everton fan. The football shirt, it's very visual. It's a sign of community that that kind of bonds you to certain people, but it also separates you from others. But I think it's one of the benefits of sports teams is, well, they do offer a way to come around in a community with a really diverse set of people, all under this one badge, as it were, with Manchester United or a football team. But really, I think that's, it's a very flawed model. I think what we have in the church is a far greater community. So it's not something to compare and say, well, they're just like the same. No, the church is a far greater type of community than a football team or a sports team of any kind. Because the church are not united around a team or a badge, something that just doesn't matter really in the grand scheme of things. We are a community united in Jesus. And that is significant. Because it's not a community that is limited by some other communities that are maybe limited by geography, so your local community. If you don't live in the local community, well, you're not part of it. You might be part of a different local community. Fine. But there's all sorts of other communities in the world. It could be our ethnicity, where we come from. It could be our age, the people that we spend time with. It could be political views, or it could be the sports team. Any one of these are a type of community, but none of them measure up to what it means to be the community of Jesus Christ. Because what we have in the church as a common people, we are founded on Jesus. He is the cornerstone, the capstone scripture talks about. And it is a community that is universal and it's open to every single human being in the world. It is a family. 
And we've heard this word family. Vijay was referencing it last week as we're working our way through 1 Thessalonians. This idea that Paul is fostering a family metaphor. And it's more than a metaphor. It's a reality. The church is a family in Christ. And we see this language again today. From chapter 2, verse 17, it begins, brothers and sisters. Again, not the first time he's used these words in this letter. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned, Orphan is such a powerful metaphor of being separated from someone close, from a family member. When he was separated for a short time, in person, not in thought. Geographically distant, but still together, still united in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. And it's not just with the church in Thessalonica. It's with the people that Paul is traveling with. He talks about Timothy, one of the ones traveling with them, our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ. It's a family metaphor. It's a family reality that Paul is trying to get across in this letter. And it reminds me of one of the kids' songs that we often do, whether it's at Spark or Children's Church or our holiday club in the summer. We do a song called The Big Family of God. I love it. The Big Family of God. It's a lovely, lovely song. And it's exactly true because that's what the church is. As a common people in Christ, for everybody that's in Christ, we are part of one family, regardless of other differences. Because think about Paul and this church in Thessalonica. There was huge differences between them, and yet they were united by what mattered most, and that was Jesus. And even within the Thessalonian church, there were differences. The lighting is changing all over the place. Is that just me? What are you doing to me, Pete? (laughs) That's too bright. (laughs) There were substantial differences even within the Thessalonian church. Because it was unusual in the sense that, well, there was Jews and there was Gentiles. So Gentiles meaning non-Jewish people. And yet they were worshipping Jesus together. There was men and there was women worshipping Jesus together. There was people with all sorts of backgrounds, a monotheistic faith believing in one God, a polytheistic faith, believing in lots of gods, or pagan beliefs, all these people with these roots, and yet now united in Christ as one family. That's what was happening in this church. And so when we think about community here at ACF or in PCF in our congregations here in Aberdeen and Port Lethen, how is our community doing? And I look out here today and I see a diverse people called to common unity in Jesus. I look around the room and there are certainly different backgrounds, different cultures, different languages, different church experiences. There is the young ones that have already headed out. There's the older folks who are still in the room. There are men, there are women, there are children. There's even a few dogs that meet on a Saturday morning at Hazelhead Park, all part of this one family. And here's the central point I want to get to, because I think actually, as a community, we're doing really well. I think it's a wonderful community here at ACF and at PCF too. But if we're going to sustain that, if we're going to nurture and grow that community, we need to keep Jesus as our unifying focus. It's always Jesus that we are centered on, that we're focused on, that we are united by because when we keep our eyes fixed somewhere else, it's really easy for division to arise. Holding up a football top, it starts to bubble up other 
allegiances. But really remember, our first and only allegiance is to Jesus. And if we keep our eyes fixed on him, we will remain and nurture and grow a community here in Aberdeen. Because, as Psalm 133 tells us, where there is unity, the Lord brings blessing. Let me read Psalm 133 to you. It's lovely. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So that's the first hallmark of what it means to live as common people, to be a community, to share a common unity in Christ. The second of these hallmarks is compassion. And once again, I want to delve a little bit deeper than what maybe we initially think of when we think of that word compassion, because the root of it once more is two words shunted together, com, common, and passion. And sometimes we think of passion as like, enthusiasm for something. That's not what it means in this instance. Passion means suffering. So if you think of the movie, The Passion of the Christ, it's not about Jesus' enthusiasm. It's about his suffering for us on the cross. So literally, that word compassion means common suffering, suffering together. And to help us understand this, I'll just share a little story about my daughter, Evelyn, who's on the screen there, and our after-school group, Spark. Um, So we've been running Spark for maybe five years or so now. It's going really well. It's on a Thursday. Um, If you have kids or if you know someone that does, please bring them along. We'd love to have them. Um, But Spark, if you haven't been to it, it's actually quite a simple format. We don't do anything too wildly creative. We, we come and we spend some time playing games. We sing a song together, a worship song. We hear a Bible story. Uh, we do a craft. And then we end with a game. A very simple formula. And yet, it's building community. Again, that common unity in Christ. But I share all this because I want to tell you a story about Evelyn. Because With Spark, we meet every single week, and Spark ends exactly the same way. And it ends with Evelyn in floods of tears. Kate is smiling because she knows this all too well. Every single week, Spark comes to an end, and Evelyn is crying. Not just crying, she is wailing. And it's for one of two reasons. It could be that Spark has come to an end, and she's really sad because she loves Spark so much, which is lovely, but you still, you feel it. The other option is... And sometimes more likely, she's lost a game. If she's lost a game, she's going to be furious about it. And I'm there, and I'm trying to run the group. And I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not just looking at her. I'm looking at all the kids with a care for all of them. But as a parent, oh, you feel it in your heart, don't you? When you see one of your children suffering, even if it's clearly an overreaction to losing a game, you feel their pain. And that really is what compassion is all about. It's feeling the pain, sharing in the suffering of somebody else. And I think that's what we are called to do as the church. To have this common suffering for Christ. Enduring trials, enduring persecution even, together. Sharing a burden. And we see this again in what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. You can feel his heart in these words. So when we could stand it no longer, 
we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for they were going through trials. You know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. You can feel Paul's real concern for the Thessalonian church in these words. Twice he's saying, when I could stand it no longer. He knows they are suffering. The Thessalonian church suffered great persecution, just as he did. And he suffered right alongside them. Paul was no fair-weather friend. Church family should share in one another's sufferings. In our struggles. That's what compassion is truly all about. And so when we think about how are we doing with compassion in our church, again I look out and I see a compassionate people. People caring for one another. I see it every single day I come into this church. I see people caring and loving one another, walking through the darkest of valleys. And mercifully, where we live in the world, We don't have to suffer too much in the way of persecution. But that doesn't mean we don't stand with those who are around the world. Just this past Tuesday at prayer meeting, I'd love to invite you to come to prayer meeting. We were praying for the persecuted church around the world. People in Iran, people in Eritrea, people in Nigeria who are seriously feeling the sharp end of persecution today. And we were standing with them. We were suffering with them. We were crying out to God on their behalf. So I think, again, we are doing well as a church when it comes to compassion, but we need to sustain that. We need to nurture and grow that. And I think the the way that we do that is we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us because it's really easy to avoid someone that's struggling, isn't it? Think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. How easy is it to be the priest or the Levite who sees somebody in need and just quietly walks crosses the road and goes on their way. It's really easy to do because who wants to go in to a place of suffering? But that's what Jesus did for us. He went into the greatest place of suffering on our behalf. And that should spur us on to be compassionate people in the common people of God. It's rooted in what Jesus has done for us. First John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So, hallmarks of living as common people. We had community, we've had compassion, and now we have companionship. One last time, I want to look at the root of this word. Two words, again, shunted together, calm, common, companionship. What does that mean? That one doesn't seem maybe quite as obvious to us, but what companionship means at its very root, it's joy in another person, taking joy even in breaking bread with someone. That's what it literally means, joy in breaking bread with someone else. It's finding joy in the company of other people. It's finding joy even in their successes, in their triumphs. 
And I'll share another little story to help us get around this idea of companionship. Now, a young family secret. We adore Eurovision. Any other Eurovision lovers in the house? Okay, there's five of us. That's, that's not many, but, but we, we're proud of it. Okay. We, our whole family, love Eurovision. We go the whole hog, we have scorecards out, we mark every single act, we have our predictions, we have our favorites. And I'll be honest, and I don't mean this in a joking way, in some ways I think the songs from Eurovision got our family through a lot of the dark times of COVID. Because it wasn't just that one night that we watched these songs. For the entire year afterwards, I guess 2020 to 2021, almost on a daily basis, we would be playing these songs over and over. The kids adored them. They learned all the dance moves. Have you ever seen Douglas waving like this? That's because the Serbian entry this this past year, this was part of what they did. He absolutely loved it. And so did Evelyn, and so did Sri, and so did I. So much so that it may have gone one step too far. Because on, on the left there, uh, there's an Icelandic man called Daddy Frere. And he had a, a band around him called Gagna Magnet, who are made up of basically his friends and family, including his wife. And you'll see that he's wearing a lovely jumper there that basically has a kind of pixelated version of his face. Well, I have something else to show you. I'm not sure if I'm proud of this, but... And uh, I didn't bring it with me, but I got Shri one as well. <laughs> so I took the time to go and design our little faces in pixel form and get them onto a jumper because that's how much we love the silly song that they sang at Eurovision. Anyway, that's our love for Eurovision, but I'm trying to get back to companionship here. And I want to talk about this other guy that's on the screen. His name is Sam Ryder. So if you didn't watch Eurovision this year, Sam Ryder was the UK's entry. And if you know anything about Eurovision in the last 20 years, the UK are rubbish. Like, we do dreadfully. Like, I mean, we always say it's like, oh, it's political. It's because no one likes us politically, so they give us no points. No, our songs have been rubbish. I'm just going to say that. But Sam Ryder was completely different. He did really, really well. He came second, which for the UK is a huge achievement in this competition. And I tell you, as a family, we were just reveling in his success. We were taking huge joy in it. And it's just like, for a second, we have nothing to do with it. We can't vote for him. We certainly have no part in his musical ability or that outfit that he's wearing or anything like that. We have no part in it. And yet, we are sharing in that joy. And I think in some ways, that's what companionship is all about. Sharing in the joy in the successes of another person. And I think we're called to do that in the church as well. To have a common joy in one another's faithfulness. Rejoicing when we see someone being steadfast through trials. That their faith is still there. That it's growing even. We take joy. We celebrate with them in that. And we see this exact thing happening with Paul. We felt his concern for them before. And now we feel his joy. The joy that he takes in them. Because of their faithfulness. He says, what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Then later he says, now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. 
How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Just as his concern jumped off the page, so does his relief. So does his joy at Timothy's news that the Thessalonians are standing firm in their faith. Because remember, this is a really young church, a baby church, just come to faith, just heard the gospel for the first time, facing enormous persecutions with their leader taken away. Paul chased out because of persecution. No leader, persecution, young faith, and yet remaining faithful. And so Paul takes great joy in them. And so one final time, turn the focus to us here in Aberdeen, our church. Are we a people of companionship? And once more, I would think I would like to say, Absolutely, we are. We are a people that find joy in the success of one another in encouraging those who are serving in many different ways within the church. We cheer on those who are brave enough to stand up and share a testimony of what God has been doing in their life. We celebrate with those boldly and publicly stepping into the waters of baptism for Jesus. I think we are a people of companionship, but once more, this is something we need to work on. We need to sustain it. We need to nurture it. And I think the way we do that is that we remember that God rejoices in us. It's not about seeking acclaim for ourselves, but humbly celebrating others, delighting in the faithfulness of others because it's an imitation of our God. Psalm 147 verse 11 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Just as our God delights in us when we are faithful, so we should delight and take joy in one another when we are able to stay steadfast and strong and grow in our faith in Jesus. So these three hallmarks of living as common people in today's passage Community, living in common unity in Christ. Compassion, a common suffering for Christ. And companionship, a common joy in faithfulness. And as I come to the conclusion, or as Sri wants to call it, the conclusion. Yeah, nobody's laughing, Sri. Com, like common, com, community. Yeah, I didn't think it would work. So in conclusion, this is what it means to be the people of God, to be a people of community, of compassion, of companionship, and crucially, it's rooted in Christ and in imitation of Christ. And it feels like it would be remiss uh, to close without sharing just a little bit of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said on this. He wrote a wonderful book called Life Together, which is all about what it means to be the church. This is what he said. He says, God has prepared for himself one great song of praise throughout eternity. And those who enter the community of God join in this song. It's the song that the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy at the creation of the world. It's the victory song of the children of Israel after passing through the Red Sea. The Magnificat of Mary after the Annunciation. The song of Paul and Silas in the night of prison. The song of the singers on the sea of glass after their rescue. The song of Moses the servant and the song of the Lamb. It is the song of the heavenly fellowship.
We are a common people, a people joined to God and with God. And when we do that, we become part of this heavenly fellowship. And I want to close uh, by reworking some of the words that Paul speaks as a blessing to the Thessalonians. Hear these words for us today. May the Lord make our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. And may he strengthen our hearts so that we will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Amen. David Young from Aberdeen Christian Fellowship, United in Faith. Imagine what it would be like when believers from all denominations come together in love and in unity and work together wherever they are to demonstrate the gospel in love, in unity, and imagine what it would be like when you add together with that God's word in different languages. And that's what we've been hearing this evening. That's what we do in every program. We heard your gospel in Gaelic, German, and coming up in Faroese as well. And we want to be able to do that in so many more languages and to a much wider area as well. Why? Because we believe that the gospel should go out to all language groups around the world and in such a way that all can hear, see and experience the gospel. And this is why I tell the vision often, because it needs to be said often. Who knows, it might even have inspired some of you listeners, wherever you are, to get involved with this. If you're Christian, then please do pray for us so that we can get the gospel out, so that we can start working with each other. And when you have Christians working with each other and sharing resources, that's when God can get to work. One little boy shared his five loaves and two fish, and God took that and made that suitable for 5,000 people plus. God turned water into wine. So why can he not do with you and me an amazing work when we put our mind to it? And to let other people, let everyone hear, see and experience the gospel for themselves. This time is a time for prayer. And we're going to pray just now. We're going to pray for the vision. We're going to pray about the program and about that which you've heard and give you an opportunity to respond in prayer for yourselves. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I've told people about you in this program. And particularly right now, Lord God, there are people thinking, I would like to get involved with this. How can I get involved? And I pray, Lord God, that you will demonstrate clearly to each person what they need to do. And you will make your word come alive to people, even as they read their Bible. For some, it's a bit of a struggle. But for others, it seems to be easier. But I pray for everyone that your word will come alive, alive in their hearts, by your spirit that you would equip them, that you would restore to them everything that they've lost, and particularly so that they can do your work well. I pray, Lord God, that you'll take this vision that you've given to me 
and bless it so that other people too can be blessed by sharing that vision, by working through that vision, by doing your word, by making sure that people are able to hear, to see and to experience the gospel for themselves, to have added value in their lives, to affirm each other, to love each other. And Lord God, this is what this program has been about, is not only realizing that you have given us great riches and great blessings, but that you, Lord, also, by the way that you've done this and by the way that you work through your spirit, can do so much more for each one of us by getting us to work with each other, loving each other as you have loved us. Help each one of us to realize these things and not to lose sight of them, but to work with each other in love and in unity. And Lord God, I I pray that you will do this. Amen. And now, listeners, now is an opportunity for each one of you, if you would have listened this evening and are thinking, I want to be part of this, but my life is in a bit of a mess and may I come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Saviour? Yes, the answer is yes. Quite simply, because we have a prayer and all you need to do is pray. It is that simple. So let's pray. And it's a very simple prayer, putting all your trust on God and letting God carry it and realising that we ourselves as listeners, people can do nothing to earn that love to earn that grace because it has all been done for us by Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life, how I have chosen the ways of the world and the ways of others over your way, over your love. I'm sorry for the way I've let people down or ruined their lives for my wrong attitudes And for the promises are broken. Please forgive me. Please help me to repent. Please come into my life now by your spirit to be my Lord and Saviour forever. And help me to be the person you want me to be. Amen. Listeners, if you've said that prayer, then you have accepted Christ. And as surely as Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God has accepted you. You are, like me, then a sinner saved by grace. God can get to work on and in your life, turning that around and making an amazing outcome. And God's plan for each one of us is to prosper and not to harm, to give hope and a future. I've had this scripture given to me loads of times and that's my scripture for you this evening. Yeah. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. That's the scripture for you. If you've said that prayer, please do get in touch with us. Info at g4g.org.uk Also, listeners, please start reading the Bible and God's word will come alive to you because we've prayed about that and tell others about Christ I'm going to be saying goodbye to you right now we'll be back next week at the same time with another program God willing 
We'll be finishing off with your gospel in Ferrarese, and then you'll hear more about Jesus as sung by Voices of Pharaoh. Bye bye for now. Tu is so elskai good hymen, at angel son son hin einborna, firi at quirt han, sum truira han, skal itchu for tapast, men have a elvet luiv. Jesus.